Welcome to the 9 to 5 Killers podcast, an explorative and insightful journey inside the minds of some of the most successful entrepreneurs who have killed their day jobs to pursue their passions. Streets raise me, born in 80s baby, Lord save me, cause today I'm going crazy with this bullsh, 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 crazy with this bullsh, bullsh, bullsh. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 10 of the 95 Killers Podcast. I'm your host, Glenn Graham. Today, our guest is an incredible businesswoman, serial entrepreneur, wife, and mother. After working in a corporate environment for Fortune 500 companies for over 20 years, today's guest decided to venture out on her own to create her business. After not finding here products that adequately address the complex concerns of women of color, my guest saw an opportunity and launched The Hair Plug, a 100% black female-owned business and honeybees natural hair care line both companies offer an assortment of products from wigs weaves and extensions to various hair care products created by the founder herself so ladies and gentlemen without further ado allow me to introduce today's guest miss brandy bivens to the nine five killers podcast welcome to the show brandy glad to have you here thank you for having me Awesome. So um, I see you're in Atlanta. Is your family from Atlanta originally? Do you have brothers and sisters? I am. Um, my fa- Well, originally I'm from Richmond. I have brothers and sisters, which I'm the baby of. I like to always say that because I'm proud <laughs> of it. <laughs> uh-huh. How many do you have? How many brothers and sisters do you have? I have two brothers and two sisters. So what is it like? So are both your parents, are they still together or are they? No, my father passed away when I was 10. No, I'm sorry. I was 11 um, from cancer and they were never together. So I kind of grew up in separate homes during the week with my mom, during the weekend with my dad. Wow. Wow. So it, it, and, and, and with your brothers and sisters, are you guys, so I see that you're, you're an entrepreneur. Um, is that something that was, um, like your, that you got from your mom? Is it something that you saw some, from family members? I think I, I think I received it from both parents. My father was a contractor, um, a construction contractor, and he laid sheetrock and built out basements. Um, and my mother, she always had a job per se, um, but she, on the side, she liked to make and sell floral arrangements. So um, I kind of got the hustle from both of them. And seeing your mother, right, because you saw her more, because I'm assuming you stayed with your mom, or was it on a split between your mom and your dad? Yes. It was split yes. between. Okay, so on your mother's side, you saw her actually making, the, did you actually help in the family business, or was that something you were kept? I did. You did? I did. Um, I used to help make the arrangements. I used to help sell them. Um, my grandmother, my mother's mother was um, in the floral arrangements business as well. And I saw both of them create and sell. And that's where my customer service experience came from, which helped me further in my career. Um, and just learning how to create your own your own image and your own brand and just go from there. Is there any stories you have from the beginning, like any business lessons you learned from them, like a story that you've seen your mom go through in running her business? She never gave up. Her persistence, her and my grandmother, they started out together and my grandmother told her at one point it was time for her to branch out on her own, you know, not to be scared. 
I saw my mom kind of go through having to save because she had to purchase her inventory. I saw her go through all the steps, having to save, trying to understand what it took while trying to maintain a family. So um, as I said, she she was single. She was a single mom and me and my sister uh, was there. And I just saw her work during the week. And then in the weekends, she would try and, you know, whether she did weddings or if she was selling her what we used to call bunches or flower arrangements on her own, I would just see her go through the struggle of an entrepreneur. You know, sometimes she was up and sometimes she was down. And that taught me to never give up just to keep going. Because although she had some bad times, there were also some good times. So Early on, I learned that it wouldn't be a smooth transition. It would, I would have up days and I would have bad days, but you just have to keep going. Wow. That's pretty awesome. And on your, on your dad's side, what did you, did you witness him and his entrepreneurial business? Have you was on site with him ever, or did he take you with him? So my dad taught me how to be a boss. He was a contractor and he was the boss. So he would hire his friends. He would hire family members, outside people. And he would have different crews and he would take his crew and they would, although they would joke and have fun, he taught me what it was to get serious and make sure that the customer is satisfied. He taught me all of like my managerial and like my boss moves. He, he would take, sometimes he would pick me up from school, like on Fridays and he wouldn't be finished on site. So we would go back to the site and, you know, he would tell me to sit there and watch why I had no other choice but to watch or color or whatever I wanted to do. And he, they would finish out the project and I would watch the owners of the residence or the clients or his customers come back to their home or to the home or to the business or commercial business. And he would walk them through it, explain it. And they would kind of do like inspections and I would see how pleased they are. And when they weren't, he would go over and above. We may stay there until eight, nine o'clock that night until they were satisfied. So he, he basically taught me how to be a boss and how to ensure that the customer is always happy. Wow, that's pretty awesome. And so do you have um, any children of your own? And if so, are they, are they, or do you do the same things with them to keep them in the business? I do. I have two daughters and they are constantly with me. I also had, I had uh, pre-COVID a beauty supply slash hair store in Virginia and I would have them to come in and work on the weekends when they weren't in school or, you know, they would work and understand what it took. I would actually pay them so they can understand to how to earn money and what it, it takes to be in a family business. You know, you have to sacrifice. You can't go to, maybe you want to go to a dance or something. If you were signed up to work, you know, we have to make this work because this is how we pay our bills. And so as they grew up, they, I've always taken them with me to expos when we did that when or vendors or whatever it was. And from that, they're starting to venture out and start their own little ventures. So how old are your, are your daughters? Now they are 24 and 20. 24 and 20. And so what was the age that when you first got them involved in the business? I started them out as soon as I started um, to see that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. So they were probably early teens, like 13. One would be third, they're four years apart. So one would be 13. And then uh, the other one, she was probably just like nine or 10. Wow. Wow. And, and I would. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, 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 no. I, I want to hear go you. go out and do like little expos or vendors, pop-up shops. And I would take, 
I would take them with me. And before I knew it, they would be selling the product more than me. So they really understand what it takes to be an entrepreneur, to have your own business and to build your brand. When I talk to entrepreneurs who had started early like yourself, they'll tell me, oh, you know, I didn't really have a childhood. Do you feel like you missed out on anything being a child and growing up in that environment? No, no. Um, I actually feel like I, I was blessed to be in that environment, that it gave me an advantage that a lot of uh, people didn't get. And it taught me a lot about life and how to toughen up. And I, I am so grateful that I was put in those environments early. You didn't start out as an entrepreneur, like after you, did you have any other jobs before you started your own business or you just started straight forward? Oh no, absolutely. I have a career of over 20 years in IT. I worked for Fortune 500 companies such as Home Depot, where I worked in their IT department. I had my own team and working there, they even at Home Depot, they kind of promote you, they want you to have an entrepreneurial spirit. They kind of teach that and embed that in their employees. And I learned a lot from there. You know, every job that I had during my career, I took a little piece of it and tried to put it into my brain. What piece did you take from Home Depot that that you brought into your, your company now? Their customer service aspect. They definitely believe that the customer is the number one priority. They go over and beyond to ensure that the customer is comfortable in the store, that they have someone there to make sure that you are finding the product that you need, they match the price. All of those little small tidbits go a long way with the customer. And I try to incorporate that into my brand. Is there any point in in which you, because you said you had 20 years and working for the different companies, at what point did you say, okay, now I've worked for these companies, now it's time for me to do it for myself? I was working at Home Depot. And at, well, then I'm not sure if they still do it, um, but then they used to give employees stock within the company and they were like on an upward spiral. They were doing so well and we were just receiving so much stock. Um, And then I was buying into the company stock. And one day I just looked at my uh, account and I was like, wow. You know, like, wow, this is how much I have just in stock. And as time went by, you know, when they sometimes when they give you bonuses, they give you extra stock. And it just had built up to an amount. And I began to want to open a store. And I said I wanted to have a black beauty supply slash hair store. And, you know, I wanted to be black owned. But when I started to do the research, it was very expensive. And so, um, as I started to get more and more into this idea, when I started to manifest it, I started doing the research and going out to these companies. And what I was learning is that majority of the wholesalers or the owners of the brands were Asian. And I was trying to get a foot in and just to really understand what it took. And they weren't as accepting to me. And so um, I I just didn't know what what more to do. And so as I prayed about it, I went back and one of the guys told me he would talk to me if I had 10,000, at least $10,000 ready to do business. Um, If I could prove to him that I had that much. And I was kind of offended by it, but I said, okay. So I cashed out my stock. And when I went to do that, um, I cashed out my stock at Home Depot. And I I showed it to him and he was ready to talk business. Um, And I 
I noticed and I found out then that I guess money talks and no matter what color you are. And so when I went back to work, we had a workshop at Home Depot and it so happens to be from one of the overseas vendors. And they basically was speaking about what I had just went through and they were just um, speaking about sometimes you just have to jump out there and try something on your own. Um, and he said, what do you have to lose? Corporate America will always be there. And I was inspired. And that's when I decided to jump out there and, and open my own store. Oh, that's a beautiful story. And, and how long um, do you still have that, st- that store or did you have to close it no, down? Before COVID, I mean, right at COVID, I shut it down. Okay. Uh, how long did you have the store? For two and a half years. Two and a half years. I'm sorry, three and a half years. Three and a half, three years. And a half years. And and what made you close it? So I opened it in my hometown of Virginia and uh, I was here. So I had, I was going back and forth um, and I had even purchased a small home there so that I can have when I'm there. And I was going to open up another location and, and then come to Georgia because most of my base would be in Virginia my customer base. So I did it and the store was a a major success. It was everything that I thought it would be traveling back and forth. I, it's, it was everything I had my family there to watch over the store and it was good. But when COVID hit, a lot of things changed. We couldn't open. I couldn't pay my employees and I decided to just close it down there and come to Georgia where I reside and open it. Um, simply because it's less travel, it's, you know, it, it, it's better. It would be better at this point because it was easy for me to travel back and forth when the sales was up and the store was open. It was easier. But once we had to shut down and, I, you know, I couldn't pay the employees and it, it was just became too much. So I just shut the store down. Right. And so you so you do, so you open one in, in, um, in Atlanta now. So you have one in Atlanta or you still have it? I haven't yet, but I am in the, Process. hopefully I'll have it open in the next 30 days. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. No, I love that. And so when I'm hearing, right, so when you, so when you, when, when it came to you that you had to close this store down, um, how did, how did you feel in that moment? What made you, did you decide right away or did, did you do some talking to your family? What were some of the things that, that, that you were feeling when you, when you had to make that decision? Um, I didn't actually talk to my family. I I talked to a, what I would like to call a business mentor. And I just sat there and we talked about it. And I had been wanting to either, I had been thinking about just bringing it to Atlanta anyway, because the traveling back and forth was starting to um, get to me. It wasn't as fun as it was before. And um, when COVID hit and it just took a turn for, I, I honestly underestimated COVID. I didn't think it would be all that it was. And I was just talking, you know, talking to my mentor. And she said, she told me something. She said, you know, I think it would be better if it was here where you could constantly have your hand on it. You could grow it better. You know, she was like, you can expand and and do a lot more if it's here. She said, I understand why you have it there. But she was just giving me a lot of the um, pros and cons. And it had more pros than it had cons to moving it. And I thought, okay, well, I'll still keep one there, but I'll just open another one, another, you know, location here. And when COVID hit, it just, you know, I, unfortunately, I lost a few family members 
and a lot of different things played into it and I just decided to close. One thing I like to do is I like to, if you don't mind, highlight like, so who's your mentor and how did you go about getting this mentor? Because a lot of times in business, you know, the mentor is the quiet uh, person that helps us, but people don't often get a chance to know, like what made you decide to pick this person? What do they do? If you're, if you're open to discussing it, if not, we don't have to. Oh, absolutely. Um, I didn't even know she would be my mentor. Her name is Cheryl Gallo. And I didn't even realize that she would become my mentor. Um, we met in a bank and actually we were both receiving bad service and we just started talking and we were waiting to both to see the banker and we began to talk and we just realized that we had a lot in common. And so um, she asked me, what did I do? And so I told her and she basically gave me the blueprint of a successful business in like 10 minutes. Um, we became friends, we exchanged business cards. Um, we said that we would go out and we would go out and we would have lunch. And so maybe a month later, I reached out to her. Um, she had reached out to me, but I, I didn't have time to return the call. So I reached back out to her and we went out and it was just like, again, we just meshed. And she is so open with information she currently owns, um, I think she's up to four hair salons. Um, she's into investment properties, uh, real estate. Um, she has her hand in a few different mm -hmm. ventures and she is just open to, she was just open to share with me. And just like that, she became my business mentor. Every time I have an issue or problem, I call her and it's like, she's just a, a book of just knowledge. I mean, it's like she's been through it all, I guess, because she had her hand in so many different areas that she's experienced a lot of stuff. And she was very open. And I feel like God put her in my path just to be there for me. Oh, man, I love that. And so this is what I feel like, you know, not nine, five killers is so. Um, so having you here with even what you've been through, um, I have to ask you this follow up question. or I'll never hear the end of it. What is some of that 10 minute you don't have to give the whole thing, but what is some of the blueprint or advice that this mentor has given you that has helped you in business? So maybe some of somebody listening who may want to do what you're doing um, may get or glean some information. Oh, no problem. So she told me, um, she, she said, well, how are you financing your business? And I told her about, um, I cashed in my stock and um, I didn't want to touch my 401k and I just told her how I started the business and how I did it. And she said, don't touch any more of your um, retirement money. And I said, huh? And she said, don't touch any more of your retirement money. She said, what you need to do is, um, she said, you need to become one with your bank. And I said, well, I said, well, I'm here, you know, to develop a relationship with my bank. And I, I don't know if I, can I name the bank on your podcast? Or? Of course you can. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so she said, um, we were at Chase, and she said, this is not the bank for you. And I said, huh? I was like, you know, I, I started to look at it. I was like, what are you saying to me? And she said, Chase is for big commercial. Um, she said, you need to do your research. Chase is for big commercial um, businesses. She said, they're for huge contracts. You need to go to a middle-sized bank. And so I, so, you know, not trying to be smart, but just my mouth. And I think I said, well, why are you here? 
And she said, <laughs> uh, you know, she started laughing and she said, I deal with my real estate. She said, I'm in real estate as well. And she said, um, one of her homes is purchased through there. And she said, I'm actually here because I am transferring it out. And I said, well, where do you suggest I should go? And she said, you need to go to a middle-sized bank. You need to go to PNC or um, what is that? Regions. She said, Regions is an excellent bank for um, small startups. And I said, she said, I said, well, what makes them different? She said, they're community banks. They're built to help you. This bank is not built to help you. This bank is, is here to help the wealthy, the already wealthy. And so I said, oh, okay. And I was looking at her like, hmm, does she really know what she's talking about? And so as the conversation went on, she said, never touch your retirement because if all else fails and you have to go back to corporate America, that's the money that you can use to rebuild your life on. And she said that all of your ventures will be successful. And she said, so you have to plan for the ones that won't be successful. And I said, well, why would I plan to fail? She said, because it's inevitable in trying to become successful. And I said, oh. And um, she sat there and told me she wrote out at Regions, she wrote out um, a lot of their programs that they have. And she said, this is where you need to start. And she kind of wrote a little, she drew squares and wrote out like the loan I should ask for, the credit card I should ask for, and to do it six months apart. And then it'll get you to here. And they'll be your, she said, they'll be your best friend and they'll back you in any venture that you needed. And I, I honestly, I was just looking at her like, this lady is crazy. And I stayed at um, Chase, finished the business I had to finish. And I won't tell you no lie, by the end of the week, I was at Regions and PNC and I was opening accounts and they gave me money when I didn't even have a, um, it was my credit score then was like in the 600s and they gave me the money just, I did everything she told me to do and they actually gave me the money just like she said they would. Wow. You see why it's good to ask these questions? And I think I think what's beautiful about that is what you said. I'm even thinking now because, you know, when I when I think about it, even my my bank that I'm dealing with, which is Citibank, when when I went to them to get a loan at one point, they were like uh, they just was like, no. And and it wasn't until I left my job during the pandemic and I had some money as well. And now they're they're reaching out to me. Oh, we'd love to help you um, invest that money. <laughs> and I didn't, yes. and, and it's just been sitting over there. So this, this conversation has helped me because now I can go and um, I'm going to be looking at these small banks because I realized I felt some type of way about it. I was thinking that maybe I'm just being uh, silly about it, but I'm serious. I went from, they wanted nothing to do with me when I worked at the job and I was trying to get out of the job and get a loan. I think I only wanted like something like 15,000 for this machine I needed. And they were just like, not going to happen. Um, and then now they reach out to me all the time, but it's because I have some money from the 401k, my severance, all of that. They, they see it in my account and now they want to help me. <laughs> so. And that's what she told me. She said, they're for the wealthy, Wells mm. Fargo, Bank of America. She said, we're trained, um, to go to these banks because they're the big ones. That's who's on our TV. She said, but they're not for middle-class people. I never she heard that before. Small America. That's what she told me. And I said, oh, I said, oh, okay. And 
I I would like to say this, and I don't want to bring race into the situation because it, it has no part in it, but I am an African-American woman, and she's white, <laughs> and she shared all of this information with me, and I was just like, for her to say that, she said they're not for us, they're for us, you know, it just blew my mind. No, I think that's very important that you said, because I assumed automatically, you know, and I think that's what assumptions happen. Right. I assumed automatically when you were telling, I was like, I just assumed that she was black. Right. I don't know why, because I think because because you said we're, we're, we're both black and I was just like, maybe. But you know what? I think that wasn't that was important to mention, because a lot of times um, and this is something that I've realized, even when I'm dealing with with people in business, um, a lot of my friends, they have people outside of um, of who they're, you know, the nationality, who do help them. And that's why I do ask the question, but I never push them to say race, but sometimes when they do mention it, it, it will be, sometimes it will be somebody of the same race, sometimes it's not. Because biz, when it comes down to business um, and you're an entrepreneur, the, the, um, I think the, the connection between us is there because we, we all been through some of the same pains and it goes beyond, to me, beyond, beyond that. So thank you for, for, for highlighting. I think it was very important to mention the, the, the hair plug is spelled D a, um, hair plug. Right. And then, um, there is, um, honey bees, um, B E E Z hair care is, so what is, so what is the distinction between those two names and, and why did you go in? Yeah. I don't want to go ahead of myself, but clear curious. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I, um, I started out with the hair plug, which was my, um, hair extension line. The name came from, I had many different names that I wanted to name it. And I was sitting at work in my cubicle and the name just came to me, the hair plug. And mm -hmm. when I try, I wanted it to be the hair plug, but when I tried to get a domain and to um, trademark it, I couldn't under that because the hair plug was going to a company that was for um, bald men who wanted the plugs in their hair. And so I changed it to the, mm -hmm. that's a better way of saying the is, <laughs> is you know, my target, my target audience is black um, women and they knew what the word duh was. They know it's the same word as the. So I changed it to the hair plug. Wow. I love um, it. Honeybees is my natural hair care line that came from um, wanting to expand the hair plug, wanting to offer a product to all women. So hair extensions, well, let me back up. I would say that society, when you say something about a woman or a black woman, either, you know, you are a baddie and you wear your long hair, you know, you, you're that, or they would call you a natural girl. Um, not, so they really try to divide you. But in actuality, you could be both. Um, you could wear hair extensions one day, a wig one day, and then the next day you can wear your own hair. Uh, and that's me. I I do both. Um, I don't like to be categorized as one or the, the other. At work, they don't never know how I'm coming into work because uh, <laughs> I change up my look a lot. You know, one day I may have long hair. The next day it might just come to my chin. That's just who I am. Um, and so a lot of women are like that. So I felt like the hair plug only catered to one type of woman. And I wanted all of my businesses to encompass who I am. And so I came up with the hair care line um, and said that this is for 
you know, for females who wear natural hair or for females who wear extensions, because up underneath that, you have to take care of it. So um, that's how honeybees mm. was developed. I love I love the thought that you put into it. And, and I'll tell you why I've dated women who um, I never really had a preference of if a woman had natural hair or if they had extension, because my parents, uh, my mom was a hair care professional for many years. And my, one of my aunts, my aunt Anilda, she owned two beauty salons in um, in Brooklyn. So I already got used to the idea of, you know, different situations. Women might have her hair. She might just not want to do her hair or she might have an issue with her hair. So what I like about what you talked about care, and I want to ask you about that, is, is you mentioned um, having products to make sure that the hair is, um, is healthy or the scalp is healthy. So what about that? Um, what about that do you, do you mean exactly when you say like uh yeah take care of the hair okay so let me back up a little bit um so honeybees is kind of like my special baby and i'll tell you why i believe in taking care of the hair because up underneath my hair extensions or my wig is 4c hair and it is it is hard to maintain if you're not taught correctly um, so I told you that I have siblings and growing up, I was teased by family members and by outside people because I do have 4C hair. And I know you're- Wait, what's 4C like hair? Was, what's that? I was about to tell you. Oh, okay. <laughs> 4C hair is thick, um, what, what some may consider as they would say nappy, thick, um, and most times dry hair if it's not taken care of correctly. So it's very coarse hair. And I grew up with that and um, I was teased and my siblings and actually my siblings on both sides, all of them have different hair. Um, their hair is not coarse as mine is. I'm the only one with the coarse hair. Um, and so it became, it became like a teasing point for me. Um, and so I, I became ashamed of it. And my mother, she did the best she could with maintaining it because it is so coarse and thick. What she would do is have it braided up because um, that was the easiest way to maintain it. But she couldn't teach me as a child how to truly maintain it because she didn't have that type of hair. Um, and so it came from what I would like to say is her, I don't want to say her ancestors hair, but her side of the family, but she didn't have that type of hair, but it's definitely from her side. Um, and so she really didn't know how to maintain it. She maintained it the way her hair um, type was, which her hair type was not as coarse as it, or thick as mine. And what worked on her and my sister's hair didn't work on my hair because I had a different hair type. So growing up, everything that she did to uh, maintain it, it really didn't work because it's a different hair type. So before C-type hair, you definitely have to maintain your scalp and hydrate the hair. That's most important. So the products that she was using that may work for her and my sister hair didn't work for my hair. Um, and so it, it made it my hair to be almost like you couldn't, you, it wasn't manageable. So we would keep it braided. Mm. And so um, when I came up with Honeybee's Hair Care, I said that I wanted a product that really, really helps forcing hair. So all of our products are, um, they stimulate hair growth. And that's by adding moisture and hydrating your hair and your scalp, maintaining that you're, I use a lot of natural oils like almond oil, 
um, like tea tree oil that maintains the scalp to ensure that your scalp is healthy, which in return grows your hair out and hydrates the hair. So although my product, everyone can use it, but specifically for C-types, they would love my product because it works. Basically for people, for our hair type, we need someone who looks like us that's making the product. And I hate to put it that way, but that's as simple as it gets because you can't understand what we need if you're not going through it. And going through it, you know, growing up, it, it was it was hard going to school. And even though my mom did my hair every day by, you know, the product she was using, it didn't reflect it. And so I would get teased. And so I don't want any other kids, you know, going through that. So I have a lot of parents um, that, that I try to uh, let them know what they need to do, as well as this will, this is really what surprised me. I have a lot of um white parents that come to me with interracial kids that have no idea how to, and they have what we would consider or society would consider the good hair and they still can't maintain it. And so I will tell them what to do for those hairs, for their hair. So I don't want to just put it on one type of hair type um, because a lot of people do not know how to treat textured hair. Mm. No, I love that. I love that you said you made distinction distinction between textured hair and and not saying bad hair and then good hair because we heard in our neighborhoods we've always grown. I, know, I grew up growing up hearing that all the time. I don't have data, but I would mm-hmm. say I think it goes back to what was portrayed as beautiful on TV and in the movies um, back in the day, and that was the people with the you know with the wavy hair in the movies, the lighter skin people. Mm-hmm. The the people who, you know, on TV, how we were trying to imitate some of the white hairstyles and, you know, they were putting the lie in their hair. And I think that that's, that's where we got our standard for beauty from. Uh, all hair is, is beautiful. It just has to be maintained properly. I love that. All hair is beautiful. It just has to be, I'm going to put that as a quote. All the hair is beautiful. That's to be maintained properly. I love that. I started my venture of wanting to open up my own beauty supply stores, I started going to these wholesale places and um, in Atlanta, it's they're everywhere. And so when I went, I've been using cream of nature for years, for years. And it's always a black woman on the um, box. And when the commercials, they're all black and they're owned by Asians. And I was like, what? And as I started to do a lot of the different, what I noticed was most of the um, companies, when I started researching it and going online and reading the back of the bottle and, you know, typing in who's distributed, who's really owning it, I discovered that majority of our hair products were owned by Asian companies. Um, and they just portrayed the black faces or they put the word Africa on there. And we just assume that we're some kind of way in the mix and we're not. Um, and that's why the products aren't working. That's why the scaps are, fl- are flaking up. That's why your daughter hair, you send her to school, she look one way. When she come home, she looks something totally different because the products aren't made um, by us, for us. They're just made because we, the Black community, is worth so much money, especially in beauty products. And, you know, we, we fall for the banana in the tailpipe. You put a Black person on the product and we buy it. Mm. Wow. So crazy. Right. And even in this yeah. age, in 2021, still going on, I'm hearing, you know, different artists who shall not be mentioned owning 
teams and them not really owning teams or owning nightclubs, but only owning a percentage of the nightclub. Uh, it's very interesting to see it's it's been it how deep it goes. Is there anything that you wish you would have known going into it that you know now, or has everything been smooth sailing? Oh no, nothing has been smooth sailing. I, I'm not gonna sit here and feed you that dream. I love it. Um, I think if I would have known more about business, um, how to develop, well, not business, but how to develop business credit and understanding the dynamics of banking and stuff like that would have made it a lot easier for me in the beginning. I didn't know that. I was going into it as, I know I have to be self-funded. These people are not going to do anything for me. I kind of figured in my head that they wouldn't. Not knowing that there's plenty of resources out there that would. Not knowing more about the SBA. The SBA, uh, Small Business Association, they have a lot of great programs. They have a, you just have to go into the office. Well, I don't know if they're open for you to go in now, but you just have to get involved and, and they will set you up with mentors and business mentors as well and go into the office and talk to them. There are a lot of different programs where they basically can co-sign loan for you when you go to another bank and get you up to a certain amount. If I would have known that going in, I think I would be a powerhouse by now. But you have the information. So I think the fact that, you know, what, what makes this a beautiful thing is the fact that you're sharing this, this information so openly. So the question I would ask you to the business, like this next, I guess, six minutes, we're going to dedicate this to helping that person starting a business and things that you wish you would have known. So in terms of you mentioned business credits. So give us a little bit more meat on that, that, you know, now that you can help some of our young upcoming entrepreneurs figure this thing out or get started. Where would you start at and what and what does it mean exactly? Okay, so I would basically start um, with building your business credit, making sure you have a Dunn's number, um, a Dunn's and Bradstreet number. It's, it's free. You can go to the website. I don't know the website offhand, but Google Dunn's and Bradstreet and sign up your business and get you a Dunn's and Bradstreet number. Um, a done number is what they call it. What's it get called? Get you a number, a done number, D-U-N. D-U-N, okay. Uh-huh, get you a number and sign up. So in the beginning, your number is going to be low. So like a FICA score, um, we all know what a FICA score is, but you get a done score as well. A FICA score is the three numbers. I think the done numbers is just two numbers, like between one and 50. I Don't quote me on those numbers, but it's, <laughs> it's a different type of scale. And as you build your done number up, that's how banks know how much they want to deal with you. It's not really on a FICA score. They look at the done number. So uh, once you build that up, it's easier to build that than it is to build a FICA score. So you can build that number up. And one of the things that Cheryl told me was to go get a fleet card. And I said, a fleet card? And she said, yeah, go, go get a fleet gas card. And I said, <laughs> I don't understand. And so I was so confused. And so I went to, um, it wasn't Exxon. Oh my goodness. I can't think of Amico. Was okay. Amico or Exxon? I went to one of those gas places and I filled out and they gave me, even though I don't have any fleet, 
<laughs> I don't have any business cards. They gave me gas cards. Um, they gave me 10. They asked me how many I wanted. And so I said five. So the lady was like, no, you should probably get 10. And so they gave me 10. And each card has an employee number that you can use at the gas pump. And then it has like, you can set limits per card. I had nobody that could use these cards. My children weren't even driving at the time. But that's what she told me to do. So I went and I got the card and it reported out to Duns and Bradstreet. And I never, I started using it on my car um, and my husband's car. And we just kept using and paying it every month and it shot my score up. And I, and I couldn't understand like, why would this one card and I'm not even having a high balance shoot my score up so far, but it's because they rank you differently. And so it shot me up and then I went and I, um, I went and did the PNC. I, actually, I have accounts at both and regions. And I did the what she told me, do the credit card and then do a loan um, and pay your loan back within, you can do it within a year. You could do it within, she said, you know, it's usually two years, but just do it within six months to a year. And so what I would suggest you to do is get you um, a DUNS number and then start to build your credit. You don't have to go and do anything huge. You can go to Home Depot and get a credit card in your business name. You can go to anywhere and just get a credit card or some kind of form of credit under your name and ensure that you add that DUNS number to your account mm -hmm. so that it can be reported to it. And they, they score you and rank you as, you know, in six months as you go along, as you pay it, make sure you pay it. And then you go on to get the business loan because now you have history, you have a DUNS number, and for some reason they trust you. And so I would say make sure that your DUNS number and your EIN, you have an EIN number um, and that you have insurance because the banks ask you for insurance when they qualify you for a loan. I don't know why, but they asked me, you know, do you have insurance? And she told me, she said, they're going to ask you that and it makes it look like that you are responsible. Mm. Okay, so I got business insurance. <laughs> you know, I just got general insurance. It was small right. things that she told me Little that pieces. really is what made the difference. It wasn't even like the high credit score. And like I said, back then I had like six, six hundred, like probably mid six. And it, it, it all worked. It's just knowing the most important part is developing a relationship with that special bank. And from there, you can grow your business because um, when you go in, you know, you, they say, why do you want a loan? Always say you want a loan to expand your business. Really never say it's for a startup. Just always say it's to expand. Um, you have an idea for a new line or you want to expand the product that you already have. You want to do more advertising. And because that's how banks make their money, they understand wanting to expand. And that's what I did. I followed that advice and boom, there came the loan. So I would just say, just to make sure you have a great relationship with your bank. So go in and, and talk to your banker, you know, let them know who you are, what's your business. And even if you're not asking for nothing, just get to know your banker. And then as an African-American, they have so many different programs, especially since all of this stuff has been going on, you know, with the cops and the killing black people out, out like Chase. They have a program now for minorities and supposedly they're supposed to offer um, different loans to minorities. I know they have a program. 
I've never applied for it, but I did sit in on one of the orientations and it seemed like a really good program. No, but I love what you said, though. (laughs) Yeah. Go in there. Talk to your banker. Introduce yourself. You know, uh, make sure you look decent. I mean, you don't have to have on a suit or anything, but make sure, you know, you look decent. You go in and just introduce yourself. And nine times out of ten, the banker comes like, what do you do for a living? And then just tell them, you know, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm always looking or open to find out about loans or do find out if they have any programs for minorities or if you uh, have a disability or if you're a, a veteran. Just ask, you know, do y'all have any programs? And what that does is when the banker goes to their team meetings, to their meetings, and they find out more stuff, they automatically think about you. The next time you come in, they know your name. Hey, Brady, come on in. Let me tell you about this. That's how I learned about half of the programs they have. Right. And what's good about this advice, this you guys listening, what's good about this advice is that it can be taken for anybody. You can be a, whether you're a minority or not. Right. This advice is yeah. talking to your bank, figuring out like because a lot of times what happens is we go off of information that somebody has told us and we can go get it from the horse's mouth. So you you gave us some great tips, like even some stuff that I'm looking at. So I love the advice you shared. Um, if I could ask you this question now, because we're about to end soon, I have two more questions for you. Um, what is, and I ask people this usually, what is one or two things, what advice would you take from a, your younger self? The advice I would, I would give my younger self is- No, take from your younger my, self. Take from I'll your younger take self. From my younger uh-huh. Self. Two, give me both. I'll take both. Well, the, what I would tell my younger self is to don't take what people say to heart. Not to let, they're, they're not the end all in the, to what you're going to be. You don't have to be what you come from. Um, just to keep going, stay positive, and it'll all work itself out, not to stress out about it. The advice that I would take from my younger person is to live. Um, I get caught up in my projects and businesses that I forget to live. I'm always in my office. I'm always working. I'm always I'm trying to create new products. I'm always fulfilling orders that I don't have time to enjoy. And so my younger me used to always love to have fun, to like to do different stuff, try different things, hiking, anything crazy I would try. But now I'm so focused on the business, I forget to have fun. So I would take that from my younger person. Wow. Listen, that, that's some great. I'm glad you, you answered both. So I'm going to address that first one. And that and that was what people decide that you're going to be. Um, so I feel there's a story yeah. behind there. Is there one you can share with us? Because we like to like to to have a story behind it because something made you say that. Is there anyone that you care to share about why you said that? Well, um, I come from well with my mom, we lived in. We started out in the project and we worked our way out to what would be considered middle class, well, not even middle class black, well, low to middle class black neighborhood where we lived in a home. But I would say that a lot of people, I was very smart in school. And so even though my school was in the hood, like I represented my school for spelling bee, I went on to the state spelling bee. Then I went to national spelling bee. Um, And when they heard what school I was from, they kind of prejudged me. And it kind of made me feel a certain type of way. So I would say a lot of times, just because that's where you are now, that's not where you're going to end up. You know, people try to judge you and keep you in this certain type of stereotype. They try to keep you there. And that's not true because the world has opened up. I have worked 
for Fortune 500 companies and in management coming from where I come from. And I don't even have a college degree. I was hiring people with college degrees. So where I come from doesn't define me. And I would, you know, I felt judged a lot based on that because like I said, I was very smart. And so the school would choose me to represent them in different product and different projects and different uh, we used to have something called Dare. I don't know if you all had that in New York. We um, did. It was a child's program against drugs. And I went on to a national Dare conference. And it's just like I would always be judged based on when they found out what school I was from. Um, my school was in the projects. And they would say stuff to me like this. I didn't think you would speak that well. Or wow. I didn't think, you know, they, they would say that to me. And even though I was young, I understood what they were trying to say. And to this day, people will say something to me like, I, like at, I'm very open about not having a degree because at my jobs, I worked for a lot of big companies and that's what they pride their stuff on. Like the VPs and they would pride their stuff on. I came from Yale, I came from Harvard. That's who they were, that was their identity. That was never my identity. And so when I could get up and I would, you know, I reported directly to a VP and people were astonished that, oh my gosh, she speaks well, or, oh my gosh, I didn't expect that from her since she doesn't have a degree. Mm-hmm. You know, people like to characterize you in certain little groups just because you're not what they are, or you didn't come from where they came from. And that's why I would say, never let people define you. You are who you are. Man, that's that's great advice. And it made me think of this quote that I, I pulled up when you were speaking. I put it on my Instagram today. And that was it's so funny. I put it yesterday. Literally, it says when someone tells you it can't be done, it's more a reflection of their limitation, not yours. I literally posted that the other day. So hearing you say that is confirmation. Um, I'm also from the projects. I, I come from Bronx Ripper Projects in in New York. And same thing. People will find us in rooms and decide that this is who you are. And I've heard even people, um, I was at an event one time and this is funny. And somebody was talking about the underprivileged and whatever, and they can't really. And I said, just before you go any further, I'm one of the underprivileged you're talking about. Cause like, we were at a event and it was for the underprivileged and they just assumed that I wasn't, <laughs> that I didn't come from that. And so it felt good. And it's like, Oh, not you. And I was like, yeah, just every other person like me. But I was like, I, I didn't say it to, to make them feel any way, but I t- just said it to, to let them know that the same way I'm among you uh, and you view me that way, there's somebody out, there's one of me, there's two or there's 10 of me and there's, and there's you out there and there's many of us. So I love the fact that you don't let that define you. And then the last thing you said, um, and you talked about the advice you take from your younger self and that is to live. I would love to hear, you know, cause you mentioned that sometimes you're so busy working. So what is the, the work-life balance? Like how do you balance between working hard and, and, and accomplishing things? And, and how do you know when I struggle? This, this question is for me. How do you figure out how to balance work and being creative with like, you know, like you said, just hanging out and chilling? I don't. <laughs> I'm struggling so hard because I am literally, um, I don't know if we discussed it, but I'm about to launch another company. Oh, um, no, we didn't. And so this is the part that I love, this part of the process, like when you're getting ready to launch, mm-hmm. and I'm all in. And so my husband has to tell me, hey, you know, it's 2 o'clock in the morning, you still there working. <laughs> you know, you need to come to bed. Or we've been home for the last two weekends with you just fulfilling hair orders or whatever I'm right. doing, we need to go out and do something. So I've, one thing I've started doing is scheduling 
and this sounds bad being a wife and a mother, but I schedule date night and I put it off my calendar <laughs> and I schedule family night with my daughters as well. So I may take them out to a restaurant and I will put the phone up and just talk about what they have going on just so they know that their mother is still there. Mm -hmm. Um, And I do that with my husband as well. I have to schedule date night. I have to, you know, make reservations and do all that type stuff just to, because I live off a calendar and it's sad, but I'm trying to learn myself how to balance it all out. We have to schedule time to put our phone down. Yesterday we decided just to watch movies. And at some point I was doing like, I was trying to prep for this interview. And then she was like, okay, at what time are you going to be done prepping? And I said, okay, right now. And I, and I had to literally put my computer <laughs> down because yeah, it, it's like, yeah, you, it'll get done. But you know, if there's excitement about, I could hear the excitement in your voice for launching this new brand. So I want to hear about that brand as well. But, but to that question, do you do you seek advice from your husband and your daughters on how what another way to manage as well besides just doing the calendar stuff? Um, I do. So I, you know, in the beginning, I would take offense to it mm-hmm. when my husband would say something about it. I'm like, hey, you know, I'm an entrepreneur. You know, there's a small window that I have to hit. I have to hit the goals because I have this money I got to pay back. I, you know, so I took it as a, a offense. Um. And what I had to sit back and do is understand that he married Brandy, the person, not Brandy, the entrepreneur. Mm. So I have to understand the balance between family and work. And if it all came down to it, which one would I rather have? Would I rather have my family or would I rather <laughs> you know, be a successful business person? And honestly, this is sad, but I had to think about it. I couldn't even answer myself. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> because I truly have a passion for business and, and creating products. And so that's very sad to say. Um, and my kids, sometimes they tell me, mom, they'll come in the office and I'm working and they're trying to get advice on life or whatever. And they have to say, put the laptop down, mm. talk to me, you know? And so I have to snap out of it then because I know they really need me. Right. And, um, we, you know, and so what I would say is, okay, I'll put the laptop down and we will go outside and walk around the block. And that's when they have my full attention. Um, so I'm struggling with it. I have to learn how to, you know, even though I'm my own boss and I'm my own administrative assistant and secretary, I mean, I have an assistant, but when she's gone, you know, she works regular hours. When she's gone, I have to do it. So I have to, I'm struggling with that as well. And if you find something in the future, some good advice, <laughs> please call me back and tell me because I'm, I'm really struggling with it, but I'm, I'm doing my best. I'm trying. No, Brandy, I think you're doing more. And I think you can have both. That's my opinion. I think you, could, you can be both a great business person and a family person. And I love the fact that that was the most honest answer I've ever gotten from a business person on, on work-life balance because I know that I struggle with it and I've heard so many. And when I talk to people, even on an interview, they will tell me, oh no, this is what I do. And it just works beautiful, brilliantly. And I'm like, I don't know how you do it. And some of them are even more, <laughs> do more business than I do. And I'm like, I know they have a struggle, but I love the fact that you mentioned that because I think it's important. Um, and, I'll, and I'll lay this for people listening. I think it's important to find a balance between the work that we do that we enjoy in our family. Like we do it for them. We do it for us too, but we do it for them. And and if we lose, if we lose sight of what's important, like for me, I, I know if I, if I'm into my phone and my girlfriend needs me in that moment and I'm not there after a while, people stop looking 
for you to be there. And then, you know, then the, the communication yes. gets off. So I love that you said that you struggle, but you're working on it. And I think that's the, the important part that I, if anybody, any entrepreneurs looking, listening to this, it's not easy. People ask me, well, how do you, how do you do it? And, and, and you, you highlighted it best. It's a struggle for everyone, but like anything we know, if we do a balance to it, then, then there's a good chance that it's gonna, you'll figure it out. But, but thank you for that, Brandy. I really appreciate this interview, it was it was super exciting for me. Like, I, it doesn't even feel like we've been talking for an hour, but we have. Anything you want to add before we leave today? Oh, yeah. I have a new business, guys, that I am trying to bring to fruition. It should go. I have a soft launch now. Um, the website is www.bebougie, um, and that's B-E-E-B-O-U-J-I-E.com. And that's basically a home collection for we offer a wide variety of products such as candles a bubble bath hand soap anything that bath body works will sell we would sell we're just the african-american version of it so check us out and like i said it's a soft launch right now and we're going to go into the full launch at the end of the month my other businesses are honeybeeshaircare.com and if you're looking for hair extensions uh thehairplug.com and that's dahairplug.com I forgot to ask you this as well. Do you offer um, hair products for men? So if there's a guy, because I, I keep hearing hair plugs, do you do you offer that for men too, or that's just no. women? Okay, it's just women. It's just women. Okay, all right. Sorry, fellas. There's no hair plug, but that candle, um, that bougie stuff. I think I'm gonna check that out. What is it again? It's 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 be bougie. Be bougie. And yeah, and that's be spelled out b e e and bougie with a j. So if I went there now, I could order something. I might want to order a little something, some candles or something from you. Do you have anything up there now? Yes. I can. Get, okay, good. I mean, really, I'll tell you this. It was very inspiring to listen to. Um, you made you made talking about hair relatable. I was like, how long am I going to talk about hair? But you made it. You gave me so many different things that I didn't know. And I think people will will. Um, I think this was a great episode. I can feel it. Thank you so much. You made me feel so good. Thank you so much. And thank you for reaching out to me, making me feel comfortable. And I think that's the key to it. If you um, are comfortable with the person, mm -hmm. um, it goes a lot easier. And you explained to me exactly what was going to happen. So it was no surprises. And that kind of, you know, made me feel comfortable as well. You're like, okay, we're going to do this. Sound <laughs> check. How right. loud are you going to talk? And I'm like, okay, 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 got it, got it, got it. Let's go. <laughs> So no, you, thank you. You are the person responsible for making me feel this comfortable. So thank you. Perfect. All righty. All right. Take care, Brandy. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in to the 95Killers podcast. You can now visit us at our website at 95killers.com. We truly appreciate your continued support. Take care of yourselves and keep killing those comfort zones. Until next time, peace.